Many marketplaces try to capture all of their gig workers' time, but for many of those marketplaces, this may not be the best strategy. So Bryce Bennett is going to help us break down why this is not always the best option, and then for those who it isn't the best option, what the best alternative for them is. Bryce is the CEO and co-founder of Solo, and uh, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of uh, a, a lot of skin in the game. That's what. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been in uh, the gig economy or app-based marketplaces now for ten plus years. Yeah, yeah. From from Uber twenty twelve to twenty seventeen, and then leading the supply side of Convoy, and and now it's Solo. So that uh, this is a topic and a world that you live and breathe. So I'm glad that you were willing to join on the podcast. And so I, I think the first question, just to get get right into the meat of it, is why is it a problem for many? Why are marketplaces so focused on um, trying to capture all of their gig workers' time? Yeah, Brooks, thanks for having me on. Appreciate the intro. Um, excited to talk to you about this today. And, and you know, like I mentioned, I've been part of. Um, App-based marketplaces now between ride-sharing, trucking, and now it's Solo, where we provide software for workers to, to manage and optimize their finances in the app-based economy. Been a part of this for 10 years. And I think one of the, the big things that's changed in the past few years for especially if you're on, you know, if you're at Instacart or if you're at DoorDash or Amazon Flex, there's so many different, you know, options now for you is that you know there's this thought that like we're going to capture the worker we're going to capture the entirety of that worker kind of almost employment style right? right uh and and the reality is is that these people are you know that are working in these jobs do it for the flexibility primarily and so uh, trying to kind of like capture a worker uh entirely who wants that flexibility uh one is a problem but then two these marketplaces right have peaks and troughs Everyone knows there's times when Uber's, you know, much busier, more expensive food delivery, right? It's busy around meal times, grocery around major holidays, uh, Amazon flex coming up for the holidays in the, in, over the next month. Mm -hmm. And so your, your earnings for these workers, you know, is, is a uh, series of peaks and troughs. And so, you know, ultimately, uh, our viewpoint on it is it's not the best strategy to try to capture the entirety of the worker because you're probably going to end up in them getting frustrated with those peaks and troughs and, and churning off your platform, right? Because they're looking for, yes, flexibility in their time, but stability as much as they can get in their pay. And so that's why we talk to the worker side primarily today, but also the company side and recommend to workers that you should build up access to a lot of these different jobs so that you build a portfolio and you can kind of ride the peak of those different job platforms, different times of the day in your city, uh, which we help you do with Solos Technology. And then on the company side, you know, really focus on uh, the t focus in on the time that you can target with the right, you know, incentive or benefit to that worker to get them on when you truly need them during those peak demand times versus trying to grab them for the entirety of your marketplace kind of cycle, because you're going to end up with some unhappy workers. And that's what we saw at Uber, you know, when I was there from 2012 to 2017. So, yeah, so what I'm hearing is this is mostly a problem for marketplaces who can't offer the the extent of what a gig worker wants at all times right so there there are marketplaces who when a gig worker is looking for that their peak pay or the pay that they promise at the beginning when you sign up to work on their app um the you don't get that pay from you know in in non-peak hours but you're trying yeah. to capture all of that gig workers time based on the promise that you made in the beginning so for uh for many marketplaces it's like be be content getting the work that you need in the times that you need it um, so, yeah. so 
who that that kind of gives me an idea of who should not be doing this as well. Who who is right to be trying to get all of their gig workers time? Is there anyone that should be doing that? No, it's a good question. I think the reality is right. It's it's not a full time job. It's a it's a marketplace, right? With uh, ultimately good times to work and bad times to work. And if you look at ride sharing, right? Ride sharing is you know today probably that has the highest like tr- absolute earnings uh, in terms of. Uh, Friday and Saturday nights or airport trips, et cetera, for workers are extremely lucrative, sometimes 30, 40 bucks an hour. But the cold reality is Tuesday afternoons are about, you know, maybe 10, 12 bucks an hour in a lot of cities, right? And it's a very dramatic switchover. And so they're probably the most regular in terms of demand. And even then they have a ton of volatility. If you're Instacart or shipped, right, you have open hours at your grocery stores that, you know, you can't, you can't do much about. So before 7 a.m. and after 10 p.m., you know, that you just don't offer any jobs, period. Uh, and then, you know, same thing with uh, you get over to food delivery. Food delivery is pretty quiet overnight, early mornings. It's really around lunchtime, evenings, late night. Uh, and so it's really hard for any one of these companies to truly say like, hey, we're the one stop shop for you. Uber obviously has Uber and Uber Eats, so you can do a little bit of cross-platform and, and get that. But ultimately, you know, our kind of message to the company side is like get access to as many workers as possible. But then, you know, understand that the market's very fragmented for labor right now, and you're competing for a piece of that time, not not the entirety of it. Yeah, I, it all comes from this reality that the gig economy didn't exist or at least didn't exist in the way that it does today um, just a very short time ago. And then yeah. now you have to get used to as a marketplace that you have a lot of competition <laughs> in, a, yeah. in every part of the day. As gig workers are piecing together how they want to do their work, they are weighing out what options, not just overall, like I'm not just going to commit to this one platform overall, but what options, how do I want to piece together my work plan for many of them if they're committed fully to gig work? That's that's right. Yeah, it, it's a very different world than it was even five, six years ago. If you think about, you know, think back to 2015, 2020 or 2015, 2016, I should say, you know, it was uh, really kind of like Uber and Lyft. That was kind of like your two options. If you were doing kind of flexible app based work, you know, you had a few others around. DoorDash was around. GrubHub was around. But like it wasn't at the same peak as it was today. Uh, fast forward four years, you know, the pandemic happened. Suddenly ride sharing goes off a cliff event services, hospitality, all like, you know, completely disappears. And now you saw this influx of demand from the marketplaces for things, everything to be delivered to someone's home, right? Everything from food to packages to groceries, you name it. And you saw this kind of flattening or fragmentation of the workforce suddenly. And and that's what's giving people, you know, what's great about that, not that the pandemic, pandemic was a bad thing overall, What's great, though, for the worker uh, coming out of that is that you now have uh, way more options, way more competitive work options for you in most cities. And and that what that does, it puts you as a worker in more of a position of power in these marketplaces because now you have options. Right. And they've got to compete for you. And and that uh, ultimately what we've seen has led to, you know, uh, increasingly stable, but also higher peak rates, you know, as, as companies are like, look, we really need you on. Uh, DoorDash, we really need you on shipped, uh, ships platform, Amazon, etc. So it's really changed the dynamic and, and workers are actually in one of the better positions they've been in, I think, in this space, uh, since the gig economy kind of was, you know, quote, unquote, created, you know, 10 or so years ago. Yeah, so really, this it comes down to as a marketplace, two things to me. One is, you have to understand your data and your app really well to know exactly what you need and to go after exactly what you need. 
Um, and so don't just don't just take everyone else's goals and make them your goals, right? To to actually understand what is the right goals for me to be pursuing and to be keeping a, a you know a finger on the pulse of 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 how I'm accomplishing those goals. And then the other is, and ideologically, the marketplace that's going to win is the marketplace that believes strongly in um, in the priority of the gig worker and in serving gig workers well. Um, and and I think that gig workers especially in a competitive market and and those gig workers who are committed to to gig work entirely are going to notice how commit you know how committed you are and how much you uh, prioritize them and care about their time so yeah, that, that's that's really good it's from that before we move to some practical um practical areas of what marketplaces can do do you have any other thoughts that you'd want to throw on there any other things that you think you know where where is this coming from why does this problem exist yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it's been really interesting because there's been a lot of volatility in all of these um, companies, you know, uh, as much as Uber and Lyft tanked during the pandemic, they're back as much as Instacart and Shipt, you know, rose during the pandemic, they've started to trail off a little bit. And so what you're seeing is, you know, I think uh, just as any part of the economy right now, a lot of like, you know, um, kind of ups and downs, volatility peaks and drops really quick. I think what's... Um, but if, despite all the, the those issues and challenges, what's really interesting is you continue to see millions and millions of workers pursue this uh, kind of uh, job because of that time flexibility. And so I think the more you can offer, if you're on the marketplace side, time flexibility, but alongside transparency in terms of earnings and ultimately ways to build a stable income that you can count on, right? Those are the companies that are going to win. Uh, you know, in this space. And, and that plays out at the city level, right? It plays out at the regional level. Every uh, marketplace is a little bit different. But when we talk and work with, you know, the people who are on the solo platform, uh, now over 50,000 of them, right? Uh, that's, that's what we talk a lot about is they, they want, they don't want anyone setting their schedule for them. But at the same time, they're like, I do want to know what I'm going to make. And that's kind of the, the two kind of conflicting uh, at times for the company side, you know, how they can uh, address both those things uh, when they're when they're out there trying to build up their supply. Yeah, I, I love the the concept of transparency you mentioned there. It um, reminds me of a conversation we had on this podcast with Chris Heffernan about transparency with gig workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, he's a CEO at Delivered. And I, I just remember yeah. him saying, because uh, it really stuck with me. He was like, so you promise this huge amount of money per hour. And he's like, what do you give that once a week? <laughs> like for one hour, once a week? You know, when you are transparent, even from the beginning uh, with your gig workers, it makes a huge deal because they can prioritize their time well and they know when to be committed to your app and um, what makes sense financially for them, which is what, what the gig economy was created for, right? That's how yeah. it's, why the gig economy works. That's right. And, and I think like what you're getting at here is, right, like um, transparency, stability, and flexibility, right, leads to trust. And I think like that's what these companies have had a really hard time with is, you know, it's ultimately the workers feel like, like you said, like I saw an ad for making 40 bucks an hour, but it turns out you make 40 bucks an hour, one hour out of the week. And it's, you know, every three weeks. Um, and, you know, people see that, see through that pretty quick. And I think that's why you have, in spite of all the challenges, you have a lot of people going into this work, but it's why you have kind of the skepticism around it. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's what, you know, I think these companies are ultimately um, in need of, of trying to kind of uh, tear down that perception if they want to ultimately have workers stick around and trust, you know, the, their marketplace, their dynamics, their, their app. Right. Yeah. I mean that we, 
with Rocking Your Marketplace, who run this podcast because we believe really strongly in the future of the gig economy. But I, I also really believe that the future of the gig economy is going to be um, trustworthy and, and workers are going to love the gig marketplaces because the ones that are going to survive are going to be the ones that were trustworthy and, and the gig workers wanted to work for. So I think that's going to be a really key thing going into the future, especially with increasing competition, is treating your gig workers really well. So let, let's go a little more to the, the practical side. For marketplaces, you know, yeah. you say, hey, you shouldn't be trying to capture all of every gig worker's time. That's really not, that's not the point for you. That doesn't make sense with your goals. What, what, what should they be doing? What is the alternative for them? Yeah, I think it's about getting access um, to, you know, certainly as many workers as possible. And obviously, one of the things we always worked on a lot at Uber was um, targeting and getting your message out to the right people, right? Our conversion was pretty, pretty poor at Uber in terms of getting someone from signing up to actually driving on the platform. And it's because, you know, you needed better information, training, et cetera, expectation setting throughout the, the, pipe, uh, the pipeline. And so, you know, if you're a, a gig uh, marketplace, I think you still want to go out and reach a bunch of workers, right? But taking the tone of understanding like, hey, we're probably not your only job. You know, we're probably one of at least a couple, if not maybe a couple gig jobs plus a full-time job. And, you know, they say that, you know, generally out in the uh, in their PR, uh, you know, out there. Um, but the reality is, is you'll then see the driver uh, side kind of strategies take over. And it's like, well, hey, you got to be online. You can't re uh, reject a bunch of uh, trips. Uh, you know, you can't miss this peak time. Like it starts to become a little bit more demanding of like, look, 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 you need to work with us kind of thing. And so I, I think um, matching up those tactics with kind of what's said in the PR packets, you know, externally for these companies would be, I think, the best way to, to win over these workers and understanding that you're probably going to need access to a big pool of them to then take a percentage or a fragment of their time, not, you know, 50, 60 plus percent. And so there certainly are workers that do it full time and really dedicated to, you know, one, maybe two platforms and don't have another full time job. And that's great. Those are, you know, foundations of your marketplace typically. But like as this becomes more and more um, a part of like the general public and, and more and more people out there in the labor force do this either seasonally every other week, um, you know, inconsistently, like it's going to become about, uh, you know, really following through on that flexibility mindset while also making it financially uh, interesting enough and stable enough uh, for workers to say, okay, I trust that I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, work Uber Eats tonight or, or whatever else. And, and that's what we actually do with our app, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we started there is we show you the best job to work at any given time in your city. And we create that transparency around how much we expect you're going to earn, how that pegs up to every other job that is available to you in your city. And that's that's one of the things we're trying to make a little bit more, if you will, talking marketplaces, right, liquid in terms of the, the decision-making between worker and company. Because right now, workers are largely in the dark. And that's the hard part for the companies is that, you know, they, they just haven't been as transparent with how much people can expect to pay regularly and consistently. And that's what's led to the, you know, uh, ultimately workers being a little bit unhappier and, and distrustful of like, I don't know if I can really do this very long term, right? If it's going to be like this. And so I, I think we can flip that on its head a little bit though with tools like Solo. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I know you had uh, an interesting idea about how uh, marketplaces can serve gig workers by being transparent with them and, and offering them up other opportunities. So I want to give you a space to, to share that, that idea. Yeah, no, I think so. One of the things we we're working towards long term is is ultimately getting um, 
you know, workers onto more platforms. Uh, and we can help you do that. We help you show you like the best jobs that work right. So it's not a guessing game of like, I don't know, should I sign up for Amazon? Is that a good idea, a bad idea? Uh, we do that. And then on the um, also like with our scheduling function for workers uh, to see which jobs to work, like, you know, it's a great opportunity long term for companies to insert themselves in their peak demand times, like right in there. And so, you know, it's something we're working towards long term is is getting that kind of targeting capability for the other side of this marketplace so that not only do uh you know the companies reach people that uh have um you know high intent and want to work today of course but like on the flip side the workers get you know ideally better financial incentives more competition for their time and and that's one of the ways we're enabling kind of this more kind of two-way um less like one-to-one relationship uh dynamic uh that exists today for a lot of people um between the the gig marketplace and and the worker and so that's one of the things we're, we're working towards uh, ultimately facilitating yeah so i i could imagine a mid-sized marketplace listening to this conversation and thinking okay so you know i've got people you know or a team for some of them dedicated to trying to make sure that i get all of this uh, my gig workers time, or that's one of the main goals on my supply side marketing team, you know, it, that is to get all of their time. What, what are the right goals and what should my employees actually be focusing on? What would you say to them? Yeah, I think how we've always thought about it in places like Uber and Convoy and, and whatnot is you kind of got to know the stress limits of your marketplace, right? And this can mean a lot of different things for different uh, companies. But, you know, at Uber, this is an easy one that probably most people understand is, you know, we didn't want a certain more than a certain percentage of trips to be in surge pricing, right, uh, in our marketplace. And what that meant was essentially we were undersupplied if we went above that threshold, right? And that might mean something different. You know, you might have unfulfilled like um, last mile orders if you're doing kind of like courier or, um, meal prep deliveries, that kind of stuff. And so you could run into where you have like unfulfilled orders. Obviously that's a pretty bad experience delays, um, you know, all those kind of things, but you got to know kind of what's that stress limit on the supply side of when it, it's very clear that you're not meeting the demands you have in your marketplace that could be over long periods of time, or it could be in more acute moments where like Uber and Lyft, right. Have very sharp spikes, like after bar break, right. Like in most cities or around events or, bad weather. We had the same thing in trucking, right? Trucking, when supply chains got stretched, we could see that the price for uh, a truck was essentially surging and we had thresholds around that. And so I think if you're on the supply team of one of these, um, you know, uh, inside one of these companies, it's not only, of course, thinking about how do you reach workers, get their you know supply hours or trips or shifts committed to you at the right times, but then measuring on the stress limit side of the marketplace, how stressed is the marketplace? How, how much further do we need to go on the supply side to ensure that we're not missing orders, we're not surging trips, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which creates a bad experience on the demand side. Hmm. That's great. That's great. So before we wrap up, one just kind of random question to throw out there. Yeah. This uh, unrelated to this topic, I love to get these kind of thoughts out here. So, what is your favorite piece of advice to give to other marketplace leaders? What was the what would what comes to mind? Yeah, I, for me, it's know your north star metrics. Uh, and what I mean that sounds so like you know, uh, OKRish, I guess, but like in basic. But what I mean by that is marketplaces are inherently they inherently have trade offs, right? Like you can rarely say, you know, everyone's the customer in a marketplace. You kind of have to double down and focus on optimizing for one output. And that could be, 
you know, in the early parts of marketplaces, that's usually growth, right? Growing transactions, uh, increasing density or liquidity, right? Over time, that tends to evolve into pricing optimization, and it tends to evolve into margin output, right, on a per transaction level or whatever it might be. And what I've seen is that marketplaces sometimes have a hard time of evolving and saying, you know, once they get to kind of a more mature state, they say, well, we want everything. We want to grow and we want to price, you know, so that we're going to take a big profit, which slows growth. Typically, it's at odds with each other, right? Uh, and so what we, what I would say to someone is, you know, ultimately you got to know when you become that more mature marketplace, you're past the growth stage. What is it that you're optimizing for? Is it density in a geography like we were doing at Uber? You know, so we dropped prices, we've loaded up on supply and we just tried to drive density in cities, right? Or is it, Hey, you have a thinner trucking lane, like we did at Convoy from time to time. And it was about, Hey, we don't, we're not going to try to drive too many transactions here. We're going to try to drive enough transactions at uh, a 15% margin or whatever it was. And so you kind of need to know like, what's the priority in your marketplace? Because if you try to do all of them, you're going to end up likely coming up short on gross, on uh, pricing or revenue margin, right? Like density, all those things kind of like push against each other typically. And so if you're not, you know, super honed in on what's priority one, you know, and then here's kind of like the like lower bounds or thresholds we're willing to go to on these other priorities, you're going to end up kind of scattering yourself and, and ultimately developing a weaker marketplace long-term is what I've seen. And so uh, that's what I would recommend to anyone who's like thinking about either mid-stage or late-stage marketplace, like how you make that transition. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing that. That was a really good, um, really good advice there. I'm, I'm really grateful you uh, brought that. So yeah. in, in the show notes, we're going to have links um, – we're going to have links to your LinkedIn profile, your company's LinkedIn profile. I, I just wanted to make sure, sure. Uh, there's nothing else you wanted me to add there. Or any other plugs you want to make here? Uh, no, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this on the uh, gig company side or app based company side, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to working with, with those groups over the course of the next year here. We think there's a lot of opportunity to help you out. And if you happen to be uh, someone doing gig work, uh, you know, we're, we're also, we built a lot of software and, and technology and, and increasing number of financial tools for you. Um, and you can find us in the app store uh, under solo. Uh, and so I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and share a bit more about what we're doing. Marketplaces are our thoughts there. And, and, you know, we're looking forward to helping both sides uh, in the space long-term. Awesome. If you're a marketplace leader, we'll have a link in the show notes to learn more about solo and uh, what it could, what it could do um, for you as you part, if you partnered with them um, in your marketplace. So thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate uh, that you were that you were willing to come on and share your expertise and the things that I know you you live and breathe and been thinking about for a long time. Uh, I, yeah, really appreciate it. And to the listener, thank you for listening. We I, I've been really impressed by the community that we have here. People that are interacting with uh, our emails and videos and social. You, you guys are awesome, and I really appreciate. It. Just want to let you know, like we do every episode, how much we appreciate that you are part of this community and that you're sharing with us what you're learning and going through. And uh, it's, a, it's a great way that we are all learning together. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Bryce, for joining. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.